Jason, it's that time of year again where two friends sit down and figure out what the hell they're doing with their podcast. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it's the NHL trade deadline day. Oh, it is. It was. I. It's done past now. I had no idea because I my hockey team is just an abysmal failure at this point. So. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the Red Wings are. Anyway, you were saying? So uh, we're sitting down here, um, and I've always said this. I've said this on the podcast multiple times. There is nothing that two friends can't fix with a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to revamp the podcast, try and figure out where we can improve, where we can maybe add some things and produce some things, because we want to give you guys good content. Yep. We really want to give you guys the best show that we could possibly put out there, because guess what? There's a lot of fakes out there. There's yeah. a lot of people out there that just want your. There's paid. a lot of there's a lot of podcasts who say they're no longer pastors. They're still pastors. They're totally they're still, still pastors. pastors. You lie. Like you sit on a throne of lies. They do, and they go to their churches and they just rake in the money. Oh my gosh! They and just, they just laugh. They laugh it up. They're <laughs> laughing right now. Laughing all. <laughs> All the way to the the private jet store, yeah. wherever that store is at. Those next, other podcasts. Next to your local Walmart. We're not pastors anymore. Yes, you are. You're still a pastor. You're still ordained. You didn't drop it. You're still doing weddings. <laughs> You're still going to do the funeral for somebody in the community. Oh my God. And then you're going to preach on Sunday. Oh my Lord. Here we go. You know it's true. We can't do that. Because we're not pastors. We're not ordained. Have you ever been ordained? Actually, yes, I am ordained, and I've done a handful of weddings. I feel so left out. <laughs> you can, I, you can get I feel, ordained online. I feel alone. Do you know how old you are? I'm, yeah. Do you know what state you live in? Yeah. Well, do, you, listen, do you know your first and last name? This is what I've been, you can get ordained online. This is what I've been going Those are the requirements. The last several weeks. My name is Jason. Okay. If your name is Jason, you were also born in the 80s. That's just the way it is. That's just, I've been asking every time I meet somebody who's named Jason, that's my first question. Were you born in the 80s? You know what they all say? Yes. Yes, I was. I was born in 1984, son of a bitch. <laughs> good year, good year. Van Halen, man, 1984 album. Great, great record. Anyway, Jason, so this... This podcast that we're putting out for the children, for the uh, for our dear listeners, um, this one is going to sound a little different. It's going to be a little weird. It's going to be a little strange because I got my voice to sound very much like Jess Duncan's voice. I'm so proud. You were working so hard on that. I'm working on a character. And it sounds exactly like Jess Duncan. Listen. Plays roller derby. You nailed it. Drinks whiskey. She's, she's my wife, and I cannot tell the difference. I know. I am something special in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so jason who we got on the podcast today brandon carlton he joins us he's just he's written a new book called meaningful again and we get into this he talks about his deconstruction in his new church and i don't think you'll be offended by this but i call him pastor not pastor <laughs> okay well, interesting interesting they sent me a video about he's a pastor of a church and how he feels you know, uncomfortable with the term Christian. So that in itself is like, I'm interested. Tell me more. And he does. We have a we have a great conversation. And obviously, it's my wife, Jess, from uh, you know, my marriage and outside the walls podcast. <laughs> Good recovery. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> she she helps me out with the interview because frankly, it's total Wayne's world when I mean you're Wayne, I'm Garth, 
And when I'm left alone, my social anxiety. I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so bad. Oh my God. Like this interview with Brandon even starts out kind of rough because I'm like, I don't know what to do. Where's Alex? Do you ever see a man's head explode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally. I'm glad we're at this point that's now. That's totally me. Because I feel a little bit the same with you. Like sometimes people ask me some stuff about podcasting or like something about the podcast. And I'm like, gosh, I wish Jason was here because he'd explain it way better than me. <laughs> Son of a gun. See what you do is you load your RSS feed into a you know exactly, yeah. and I'm just over here just like I just talk into a microphone and people pay me all sorts of jelly belly jelly beans. Yeah, that's the only currency that matters in the rhyme at home because every other jelly bean is less. jelly bean or jelly peen because you just said peen. No, I didn't. I swear. Who who finished the bottle of beer bourbon? Who finished it, Jason? There wasn't that much. Who in finished there. the bottle? There wasn't that much. Who finished in there. it? That's the question. The question is two guys who couldn't make it as pastors and one drank all the <laughs> bourbon. I'll give you a guess who there it is. There wasn't much in there. So it was just a little bit. And you said peen. Okay. So, dear listener, sit back, grab your beer barrel bourbon. I can't even say it yeah. right. It's really it's a tongue twister. Go home, Alex. You're drunk. From New Holland Brewing Company in the lovely state of Michigan. We are a beautiful state. I just want to say that. If you don't live here, you're missing out. This is not you. <laughs> I can't I can't even just roll the damn interview. So we saw you on the news today, this morning. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but watch I the like, whole thing, I watched about half of it. I like that you found it on YouTube before I even knew it was on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was. Uh, we're interviewing uh, Brandon Carlton today, and I was like, uh, let's, let's look him up and see what he's been up to. And oh, you're on the news this morning. <laughs> yes i don't know if you watch uh parks and rec but it was yes it's our local version of pawnee today and actually it just started too it's like maybe a month old the the, the hour-long segment called living local and uh yeah so i what's the I guy's name in the show pert pert happily well, that's Hapley. The, <laughs> that's the, and i'm pert happily <laughs> that's the news anchor joan calamezzo is the host of, of uh of Pawnee today. It was yeah. totally Pawnee today. And then yeah. it reminded me of that. It was like, it's perfectly Pawnee. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, our, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how big Flint is, but our, our area is somewhat big. I think it's like 350,000, but it still feels a lot of times like a small town in the Midwest. It feels a lot like Pawnee, uh, with a lot of the different stuff that we do. Okay. So they said on their quad city. So is that, Home of the Quad City Mallards hockey team. Wow! Yes, it is. <laughs> it, well, so the Mallards are now defunct. That that is now the Thunder, I think, or no, the Storm, the Quad City Storm, I think okay. is what it's called. But the Mallards have been well. They were in the '90s, like yeah. perennial champions. They were huge. Uh, 
Yeah, when I was in grade school, it was like the thing to do to go to Mallard's games. Yep. So, um, but ever. No, when I was go in ahead. grade school, it, the thing to do was go to a Flint Generals game. And the Flint Generals. Oh, that's right. Flint Generals. The Flint, oh, my gosh. That's right. The Flint Generals played the Quad City Mallards. And it was a big deal every time they came to town because they were like the two best teams in this yeah. ridiculous fighting beer league it's like it's the most ridiculous like yeah like backwoods semi-professional hockey league it's totally like those games were 20 percent hockey fans and 80 percent boxing fans that oh, just wanted to see people yep. fight they just wanted yeah, to and, see a fight and, and pound Michelob Ultras. That was the. That's the <laughs> I play. I play roller derby, and my coach is always like, "You got to remember to these little girls, you're the like Flynn generals to these little girls, because we get like little girls want our autographs or whatever after a game, and they're like, yeah. he's like, you're like the Flynn generals to these little that's high, girls.' That's high praise. <laughs> that is awesome. So. I That's wanted awesome. to have you on the show because you just uh, released a book not too long ago, called, uh, long ago called Meaningful Again. And when you reached out and you sent the trailer, um, you sent up, you sent me a video and you talked about setting up this community that was for all where people could ask open and honest questions and not feel judged. And it's just like this different church environment. And I've I've been asked by a local pastor here to kind of uh, design classes or help design classes. I don't know if the idea is since gone or if it's still going to happen, but this, uh, well, I think he was marketing it as cross-examining God and um, a place for people who didn't feel like they fit in on Sunday morning. And honestly, I have no idea what to do. And so I saw your video and your book and I was like, Hey, maybe this guy has been through some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. That sounds that kind of class. There's a little bit, it's a little bit different what we're doing, but um, when we probably like three or four years ago, that was exactly what you described was exactly what we set out. Um, to start and then from there depending on how you look at it it either evolved or devolved <laughs> depending on your <laughs> your opinion on the matter but um and now it, it's a little bit different now it's um so like you said uh cross-examining god uh which makes a you know a presupposition that i would have been willing to make three or four years ago that god exists uh and now we're even further past that. Not that we, um, as as a church, claim that God doesn't exist or anything like that. But that's like another, um, like fold of the of the page that we've kind of brought into what we do. Where we even we start even we used to start with yes, we all question God, and now we start even one step before that of do we all even believe in God? And that's kind of the starting place for um, for our gatherings. Yeah, see, I grew up with my dad. He always he always like raised me with, you know what? You can you can like God's not afraid of your questions or your doubts. Like you can I mean, you can have at it. Like he's he's going to take care of it. He is sufficient enough. God like he's enough. Yeah. Um that doesn't fly in church very well. <laughs> it's <laughs> like if uh no. if you don't believe the set of beliefs that your given congregation believes, then you're kind of uh, 
uh, ostracized. <laughs> and it, yes. it, it kind of feels like most churches have this built-in ostracization process. <laughs> I can't even say it. That's <laughs> a word. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not even no, going to try definitely. and say it because I don't think I can say it. <laughs> no, I don't want to try. I don't want to try either. Ostracize. They've got this built-in yeah. process to already like, okay, if they go this far, they're out. And yep. that's what I gathered from your book. Um, like you've, you've been through that. You talk about all throughout your book uh, losing close pastoral friends at the yeah um at the hand of just asking questions and that's that sounds bizarre when you say it out loud but that happens a lot oh wow yeah it happens all the time and it happens in more ways than anyone would like to admit to and it happens um and it, it actually i would even say it happened it if the system wasn't set up to um, the system is actually kind of very successful, depending on how you want to look at it. it. If the system wasn't so successful, I think that ostracization. No, I can't say. Uh, it's like I it's one of those words when one person changing. says it wrong, you can't say it right yeah. again. I'm saying it. I'm changing it now to excommunication. There you go. There you go. I think excommunication would happen way more often than it does. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of times where um, somebody's on the fence where they're having those thoughts and they're having those questions and they're like, I kind of want to ask them, but I don't want to be excommunicated. And so they just stay quiet. I think right. that happens oh, way more definitely. than people would ever, ever want to admit. Um, so yeah, it's just a couple of those brave people that speak up and um, maybe not even brave. They just, I got, I'm not that brave of a person. I just got fed up of having to pretend to mm -hmm. be someone I wasn't. Uh, when I showed up to church, uh, and it was really kind of like a, um, like a, re a release valve. Like I couldn't build up the pressure anymore. Like I had held it in for so long and I finally burst. Uh, but yeah, that is definitely, it's built into the culture. I think it's intentionally, we were talking earlier, uh, pre-interview about cults. Um, <laughs> and I, I, and, I, and it sounds extreme Love to, to call Western <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds a little extreme to call Western Christianity a cult, but in some churches, they definitely, I think they, um, they take on some cult-like tendencies, maybe oh, not sure. all of them, but I think one of them is they've really built in this system that makes it hard to leave the church. Right. Whether, yeah, mm -hmm. whether that's, a, and it's two threats. One, you, all your friends and the people you know and the people you love for me is my family, my parents, my sisters. They're not going to talk to you anymore. They're not going to like you anymore. They're mm -hmm. they're going to, um, yeah, they're going to cut you out of their lives. So that's a huge threat. And then two, also you're going to burn in hell for eternity. Right. God, I, mean, I like connect with that so much because the church I grew up in was um, a church of Christ, and um, I went there literally like on the tit going to church. Yeah, been there my whole life. Um, same group of people my whole life. And uh, I never felt like I fit because I always had questions. I was the type of person that questioned everything that got kicked out of Bible school classes for asking too many questions. And uh, when we finally did leave, um, the people I was friends with from I mean, having sleepovers with from the time I was five years old, um, they don't talk to me anymore. 
Um, I have two people who I considered my second set of or third set of grandparents. They don't speak to us anymore. Um, You know, and to be alienated just because I don't. And I truly think the church I came from was probably the closest to a cult as you could get. Um, If you didn't believe X, Y, and Z, you're burning in hell. And I mean X, Y, and Z to the point of it has to be exactly the way I believe it, the way I say it, or else you're going to hell. And so I definitely, um, you know, connect with that where you lose your, you lose an entire part of yourself and then you're, that loneliness is, you know. I didn't, I don't think it hit home for us after we, we left that church until we saw on Facebook, like, oh, they're all having a party, but didn't invite us. And it's probably because yeah. they weren't allowed to. I really think, too, it's there's and this is, you know, part of why I wrote what I wrote. Um, it's really. They're, they're good people and they mean well, but it's the system that's that yeah. they're bought into. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, at least in I'll speak for myself. Uh, well, actually, I mean, not even I can personally speak to when I was a pastor uh, and the senior the pastor above me. Um, he would direct me like, okay, yeah, those people have left. We can't talk to them anymore. It was like, it was very blatant. Like this is the, the, the system and this is how it works. So even if I, I would, me and my wife would be like, oh my gosh, we feel like such bad friends. We feel terrible. Like we are best friends with these people. Actually, one of the, um, my wife's best friend married a Catholic uh-oh. And that Whoa. was that was yeah. Jason's yeah, cousin yeah, that a, did that. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it was yeah, so we couldn't talk to her anymore. And my you know, and my wife's like, I feel now, you know, she talks to her now, mm-hmm. now that time has passed from that. But you know, she had to go to her friend and apologize and like, hey, sorry I didn't talk to you for however many years it was, and sorry I was so mean to you. Like I was, I thought I was doing a good job and being a good Christian and being a good pastor, but really I was doing all those things as far as the parameters that were set for me. But in doing that, I was actually a terrible friend and I was a terrible person. Um, And yeah, that, that's, uh, I've definitely been on the other, I've been on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. We, we have too. I think there's like, heavy manipulation biblically too you know jesus said you know shake the dust off your sandals or paul says you know if so and so calls himself a brother and is still doing these things don't even eat with them and i don't know if those verses are being taken out of context or if they're used it's almost like okay so and so's like brandon's going down the slippery slope uh what do we do here we he's backsliding. Yeah, yeah he's, he's backsliding. He's backsliding. He's thinking all these thoughts. They could be dangerous. Um, I guess we're just, you know, if he doesn't repent, if he doesn't come back to the fold to exactly what we believe, then sorry, you're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I heard a really uh, great um, interpretation about the prodigal son so that, that you know, in my growing up, it was used in this exact context for me is that that uh, Christian who started backsliding and uh, went, out, went out, went wayward and then came back to church. And it was like, oh, the son has returned. Um, and, you know, the other brother is really mad at the son. 
because uh, the party's thrown for him. But I heard another uh, interpretation of it that I loved is that the brother was actually uh, the brother that stayed. He wasn't mad because the brother, the other brother, returned uh, and had a party. He was just mad because he wanted the brother to like stay gone. Oh, like you actually you left the fold and like you went out on this adventure and you should like that. That was the goal. You should have left. I wish I was as brave. I wish I was as brave as you to leave. And now you're coming back. Like, don't come back. Why'd you come back? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just love that uh, different interpretation of that that parable. Man, so how do you get a group of people in the same room with different doubts, different backgrounds, and make something meaningful out of it? Like, it seems like it yeah. would be chaotic. <laughs> it so it's um I think it's not so far definitely seems to be um not a scalable model if we could use a, like a business term there um I don't think it'd be real realistic to have a group of churches like you know, models though okay. right yeah I don't think it'd be possible <laughs> to have a large group of people doing this the the largest um uh, we don't. I hate Easter service, actually, so it's not even like we have a big service on Easter. Um, but I, probably a big group for us would be like 20 people. Uh, and so we have two different gatherings that are pretty split as far as like there's not a lot of overlap as far as who comes to which one. So all together we have maybe like 30, 35 um, but yeah, so I think if we had a bunch of people, it would be really chaotic and it'd be impossible. Uh, and so really, I, that's part of it is that it's small enough to where everybody can have a voice and everybody can um, not necessarily be catered to, uh, but everybody can be considered. Uh, and also everybody can, you know, if you were to, some people do come on a Sunday morning for the first time and then they never come back, right? It's not for them. Yeah. Uh, and that's so because and the reason why it's not for them is it takes I, I don't I don't want to sound um, like condescending, but it takes a certain level of maturity to be able then this maturity exists in any church setting, in my opinion. So it's the same maturity when you have an 80 year old at a mega church who says, I hate these rock and roll songs. I mm. want some hymns. But she's mature enough to say, but that's what a lot of the people like, or that's what the people who, you know, I care about the younger generation, or I care about this, this individual, I want them to enjoy it more than I want to enjoy it. And so, and it, very similarly, we have that happening. There's times in the service when it's not, you know, it, it's catered towards an atheist and someone who's there that believes um, in, you know, literal resurrection and is like a more traditional evangelical, they're not necessarily going to um get a lot out of that part of the service but they but they do have the priority of uh, having everybody feel welcome and they have the priority of um i'm not the only person in the room that matters we, we matter as a group and so right. i will sacrifice and same thing with the atheist the atheist or the uh, we have a Buddhist that attends. We have a couple of agnostic people that attend. It's the same thing when i you know we we do communion still it's like kind of the last um bastion of traditional evangelical church that we have uh and there's so there's four or five people that sit out every sunday they don't come up for communion and that's okay and they 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 don't um it's some actually the people who sit out connection every or connect sit out communion every week are 
our most faithful attenders. <laughs> it's the same. It's the exact same group of four or five people. They they love coming, but they don't come up for communion. Uh, and yeah, it's, I, I, it takes a certain level of maturity for someone to attend what we do and to be able to say, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to enjoy everything, uh, but I can still like find the service meaningful despite not enjoying every minute of it. Right. Like I think some people just don't like being uncomfortable. You yeah, know? So and they're not the, they're yeah. not okay with that, and they're not okay with being faced with uncomfortable um, situations or uncomfortable questions or people that they're not used to being around or associating with. And so I could yeah. see how um, that type of church setting could be off putting to some people. But um, yeah. I think it's great. Like I would love that. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I we, like being around people who make me feel a little bit uncomfortable so yeah no that's yeah i'm the exact same way uh you know, and we we promote that we promote uh actively promote on sunday mornings this idea of um feeling uncomfortable and that it's a good thing and also we spent um not last year but the year before we spent an entire year on this book by walter brueggemann uh that's called another kingdom uh and it's about like the way of Christ versus the way of capitalism. And so there's a lot of crossover there as far as like church models go. And, you know, a capitalistic church model is one that makes everybody, everybody always feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. Everybody, um, it's always a positive experience. It's always uplifting. Everything's always happy. Um, there's always success. There's always growth. There's like all these different capitalistic mindsets that have made their way into the church. Right. Like it has to look um, pretty and, too. Right, like it has yes. to look good. Yeah, it has to be appealing. Oh yeah. Um, just yeah. <laughs> last week, we're, we're... at church. Like Go I got I. Uh... <laughs> so you know when they play pads, um, when the pastor's about to like start praying or whatever, and like, yes, you know. So that's happening, and I don't know what happened. I just was like had a brain fart. I don't know. So I walk out on stage when I'm not supposed to be there and I'm like center of the stage. Literally a floating head on a back black background behind the pastor <laughs> as he's wrapping up his sermon. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm thinking my first thought honestly was like, oh shit, this doesn't look good. Right. I couldn't like immediately yeah. just laugh at myself. I honestly was like, oh, shit, am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get scolded? I'm ruining the live stream. Ruining the, yeah, ruining the live stream because I'm literally in the background like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I here? And um, honestly, it was hilarious. I'm sorry that happened to you, but that's pretty funny. <laughs> but also I was like, am I going to get scolded for like doing the wrong thing? Not being completely like, this is like a human thing. Like people do stupid shit all the time. Like this is a stupid thing that I did. I wasn't paying attention. And um, because it didn't look pretty, it didn't fit that perfect church model that all of these mega churches and just churches in general, they want people to feel comfortable and not be be laughing at the girl who's on stage freaking out. Because she's not supposed yeah. to be well, there you're right now. A distraction during the pastor's most important, important. sermon point. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. we've been like we've been yeah. literally scolded for 
um, getting up out of the gathering and walking because we knew it was about to end, walking out and distracting people. So here I'm like, oh, shit, here I am. in front of everybody and like i can't get like am i supposed to walk away am i supposed to like just go behind the curtain am i supposed to just like die right here like just the rapture that would have been a perfect moment for me (laughs) didn't happen no i was just gonna say that yeah that there's the the consumer culture right. of you know of church shoppers of they they can't be bored uh they, yeah, the product has to be um yeah pristine has to be perfectly presented uh yeah there can't be has to be perfect transitions from section to section of the service right. and they talk about uncomfortable yeah they can't sit there in an awkward silence while so you wait for somebody to come up on stage mm-hmm. um i remember the um that was my area of expertise. I was basically, a, you know, a show producer or showrunner mm-hmm. for a church service yeah. of like, okay, you're you're coming up next. Make sure like there's no, um, make sure we put the videos here, here, and here so that there's no awkward mic transitions like handing back and forth. Um, Did you have like a professional whole... headset and everything? No, I did. I could have used one though. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> You'd probably still be going to that church if you had a headset. <laughs> If I could have got a damn headset, yeah. I would have, yeah. Uh, you would yeah, be going to heaven whole, now and not hell, so yeah. <laughs> that sucks. All this heretic. You probably would have <laughs> never wrote this book. That damn church would have just got you a they, headset. They just would have sprung for the headset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that whole, that whole, so what, here's my cynical take on that, though, is that the um and i don't necessarily i don't know it's really isn't even about mega churches i think this is a lot of churches um even small ones of 50 to 100 people there are so many decisions that are made based off of keeping the lights on and keeping the the salaries Mm -hmm. uh paid that's one of them is uh that machine it's a church machine that has to keep running it has to you have to keep feeding it and you have to keep propping it up and the ways that you do that are by not having you know having a culture where you feel bad if you walk out on stage accidentally. <laughs> God forbid someone sees that and says, you know what, that church, the other church on the street, they never have uh, a celloist walk out on stage at the wrong time. Yeah. I'm going to go to that one. Thankfully, right? like, I, f- so I feel like the majority of the people, I don't know what they thought. It was hilarious. That's what they thought. But a few people sent me the footage back and were like, look at you looking like an asshole. <laughs> Oh my gosh, please send me that. I want to <laughs> no, watch. This. You're not getting I, it. I, felt, no, I felt bad this past Sunday because I, I, I play guitar and I'm right behind the vocalist and we're on camera and yeah. I have to yawn. And oh, no. I'm very conscious of the fact that <laughs> I'm on camera almost at all times because I'm right behind this vocalist who's singing and I tried to stop yeah. the yawn. And so I'm just sitting there, like, oh. leaning over with my mouth wide open, fighting internally to keep this yawn from going full yawn. <laughs> and then I drooled. <laughs> like, oh, no. spit started running out of my mouth. So I was like, that's fantastic. So I'm sure, like, my spit is in the live stream, just, like, drool coming out of my mouth as I'm trying to hold in this yawn. Oh, my gosh. But, like, you're right. Nothing. There's a level of maturity where, like, the people who don't care are the people who actually matter and the people who yeah. care don't matter. Um, and I mean, there was a couple of people who came up afterwards like, Hmm, you little, you know, like 
came on a little early, huh? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, yep, yep, I did. <laughs> it's, I'm glad <laughs> you caught that too. Because <laughs> I was trying to shrink and disappear right but yeah yeah it's you're right there's this level of maturity where people are less selfish and you know they can laugh at those weird situations or get over things that don't cater to what they want yeah what do you yeah. what do you think brandon what do you think about the phrase of church is not about you it's about jesus or it's about god or it's about something else but it's not about you Oh, yeah, I think it's both. Honestly, I think it is about you because um, it if you attend church uh, for like you, you have if you I don't I'm, I'm not going to try to do the math. Right. But you're you live to be 70 and you have 52 Sundays out of the week. How many days of your life that is? That's a lot. If you're going to be spending an hour or two um, once a week at a gathering. Um, I do think that you should um, find it meaningful. Uh, I think you should not leave feeling like a, pe a piece of shit. I don't think you should leave um, feeling like you have to shrink or that you, you had to be somebody you weren't. Uh, so that uh, when you when you put it when I put it that way, I feel like, yeah, it, it should be about you in some sense. Um, but then ultimately. Uh, if you realize the bigger picture, um, I guess I probably would never say that it's a, it's not about you. It's about God. <laughs> uh, that's not that's not something I'd probably ever say. But I think it it is about something bigger than you. Um, and I, I and I would say that thing bigger than you is community, um, and that there's always going to be a give and take in any relationship. And I think that uh, you know if you. There are going to be times when, yeah, like if something doesn't cater to you, but it caters to the person next to you. Uh, and you don't do it because that's what God wants you to do. And God's going to be happy if you're selfless and you do it for, at least this is my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But you do it because the other the person is going to yeah. reciprocate that and say, oh, okay, you sacrifice for me, I'm going to sacrifice for you. And there's this community that happens. There's a bonding that happens there. Um, so I'm going to take the 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 easy way out and say that it's it's both it is for you and it yeah, is also yeah. not that's, for you that's a better way of putting it than just standing up from the pulpit and saying it's not about you well it's um <laughs> you know i like that i am like I, i've said before i play and i hate talking like i play roller derby blah 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 whatever it's not that big of a deal but and she does crossfit too stop. and she was a vegetarian oh, no. at one point stop <laughs> anyway um, <clears throat> I fucking hate you so much sometimes. Anyway, but um, I found that my roller derby community is more like a church than yeah. the churches. And like in your interview today on um, the Pawn, on today. Pawning today, <laughs> when you were talking about um, you wanted a community where you could be open and talk about um, if you were dealing with depression that day or doubts or whatever. And um, having a community where you're working towards a common good, um, I found that I feel that more going, being a part of roller derby and on this team than I do going to church. Um, on my team, we can be very open with what we're dealing with in our lives. We have girls who are recovering drug addicts. We have, you know, people from all walks of life and we can 
honestly, we can go to our coach or our teammate and say, Hey, I'm, I'm really struggling today. You know, if I, you know, am acting this way or look this way, it's cause I'm struggling and I'm having a hard time and you're not my, met with any judgment or anything like that. You're just met with understanding. Yeah. And, um, in the same way, my team, we have a saying, we, our motto of our team is greater good. And we came up mm. with it about four years ago, um, when our team was kind of rebuilding and whatever. And now we're, um, we're in the top, like a hundred teams in the United States and from like nothing back then. And oh, they sucked bad. <laughs> we it was really, really bad. <laughs> but, um, I think the church does get so caught up with um, this image that they're trying to create or this, you know, these rules they're trying to follow that they forget that they're dealing with people and this community and how important that community is and building that community and that people will do the greater good if they're um, a part of something they're proud of or a part of something that accepts them and a part of something that really, um, you know, helps them. Yep. And yeah. I think the church loses that a lot of times because they're so focused on you're right, like making money or whatever. Like four or five years ago, my team had uh, $15 in the bank account. We had nothing and um, <laughs> had to rebuild and um, to be proud of something that you've built up and um, come from nothing where now it just feels like a, a machine. Yeah. You know, man. Fifteen dollars in the bank account. That sounds. They closed our. Like they that. closed our bank account. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds a lot like our church. Yeah, it um. was. Uh, I mean, and like the core group of people who are still there that were there then. I mean, we're. It's like family. It feels yeah. like family because we've gone through that suffering together. And I mean, there's a lot more to it. You know, there's backstory, whatever. But yeah, going through that and coming out the other end, where now we're a part of. Um, the WFTDA, which is like the NFL of roller derby and, um, you know, just having that community, like, it's just an incredible community that I've never experienced going to church that I wish I could experience going to church, but I don't experience because I'm scared of what somebody's going to think of me when I say I have depression. That's something I deal with day to day, or I don't believe in creationism. I believe in evolution or something like that, because then I go to hell. Right? right? Where with my team, it's yeah. like, okay, let okay, cool. That's you. That, Let's move on yeah. from there. And we're working towards this common good of still doing good for our community and doing good for the people around us. Yeah, I think you're incredibly lucky that you found that community. And I think that we, um, we people who grew up in church, we uh, have this very uh, shitty example of what community is presented to us. Please and we don't don't, really don't say shit on our show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. You know, sorry, I didn't mean to be real. <laughs> I mean, a better word actually, it might be unhealthy. We have this very unhealthy community presented <laughs> to us. At shitty would be a word. Right? Up. Uh, and and we don't know anything better than that, right? Until yeah. we find somewhere else and, and then it's right. like oh i've been missing this well whole right because you're a part of this yeah. community and you're like this is how it should be and yeah. i don't feel that way any other time except when i'm at um our our church does have a recovery um program for recovering um yep. addicts and you feel that there because those people they're there and they have nothing else to hide they're there yep. and they're hurting and they're 
this is how I am. I struggle with this. This is where this is the position I'm in. And they're around people who are there to help them get through that or work towards this common good of being healthy and repairing their lives. Where it's, in yeah. corporate church, what are what are, what am I there for? We're there we're to look good, you know. To there's so much uh, in those groups. Actually, I, I uh, he, he's in my the acknowledgments of my book in the, in the back. There's one pastor who was stuck um, by me and my wife when we went through everything we went through, and he pastors a church up in uh, northern uh, Wisconsin. And his he tells me all the time his favorite. It's not that what he does on a, on Sunday morning or in different instances is like necessarily um, that he doesn't like it, but he, he says the most life giving thing is when they do celebrate recovery Friday mm-hmm. nights. There's just so much, uh, and this is it's we this is why we have three uh, AA members uh, in uh, that go to our church. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, shouts out to Chris if he listens to this. He just got his one year chip. Uh, that because there's so much in those groups, there's uh, so much authenticity and there's right. so much vulnerability. Right, something you don't get. Uh, you don't, else. yeah, you don't get that at normal church gathering. And that's why we've. That's exactly what we've tried to harness at Connection on Sunday mornings. Is like, how do we get that? Um, how do we share? I I have this belief that you could know somebody for uh, ten years, and you only share your celebrations and your wins and the positive parts of your life with them. And then you know somebody else for 10 days and you share with them your depression, share with them your losses, you share with them your sorrow and your grief. That person that you've only known for 10 days, you're going to know them better than the person you've known for 10 years who's mm-hmm. only shared their positive stuff. Oh, that's um, 100% true. There's just this something so right. powerful that this tra- transform- transformative like connection that happens when um, you're vulnerable and when you, you share with other people um, the things that you... Uh, are you know afraid to say out loud you know mm-hmm. the, there's something about vulnerability that's just so powerful man right. that just makes me think of there's this gr- super disconnect um with what we're taught in church and what we're brought up with because the whole thing is evangelism and get them to Jesus as quickly as possible yeah and don't think about how awkward that is just get them to Jesus right away And what happens is you like, okay, this person, you, you identify the problem. Oh, this person's got a problem. Something's gone awry in their life. I know what they need. They need Jesus. And you quit listening. You mentally turn them off and you're just waiting for your moment to insert Jesus. Meanwhile, you have no idea what they're going through and uh, it took me like, it (laughs) It takes a long time to reprogram. It takes forever to reprogram. Um, yeah. I feel like part of me is still, and this is why I got Jess by my side, is part of me is like, I still have a little bit of asshole left in me. Like <laughs> So much asshole. Not even a little bit. It's so much. And she helps, so she helps point it out asshole. like, you're kind <laughs> of being like a prick. Like, yeah. Like, I, I need somebody to to do that for me to help, to help me see that because... I don't know. I just brought, I just brought up with it. You don't know any different. You don't know any better when really that person in that moment, they don't need Jesus. They need a friend. Like, and we always come at it. We always have this stinking hidden agenda. 
Like, I'll be your friend, but at the end of it, I know what you're going to get, and it's going to be great. Your life's going to change. It's going to be awesome. And and when they when you don't see that progress in their life, then you start to get frustrated, and you're like, yep. I've been discipling this person forever, but they're just not <laughs> getting it. <laughs> yeah. Set, I, I would do this. I would set like... Um, all right, I'm going to hang out with this person six times. And if by the sixth conversation... <laughs> yeah. It should be seven because seven is the holy number. Oh, okay? It should have yeah. been seven. That was your problem, Brandon. You should have gone seven yeah. Seven. The seven if times would have done it. <laughs> if they don't accept Jesus by our seventh conversation, they're a lost cause. Yeah, I'm, you're going to shake gonna... the sandals, uh, like the dust oh, off your sandals. Know, what's the other one? Uh, it's cast in my uh, pearls before swine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't handle that right now. I just can't do that. Jess, you brought up something, though, I think that's so important is that there's real people behind all of this. And that's what I think gets lost. That's what gets lost when we talk about abortion. Oh, yeah. It's lost when we talk about uh, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. It's what we get lost. It get uh, when the church talks about all these different issues and takes these stances, it, it, um, yeah, the, the actual person that is being affected yeah, by I it. I had about, um, yeah, two years ago, I think a woman I go, we go to church with, um, <laughs> it's so stupid now, but she um, sent me a message uh, on Facebook telling me that she was worried about me um, because I hate Donald Trump. And that <laughs> I am, what was the word? What did she say? That I was like contributing to the downfall of society. Yeah. And she wow. thought we should have coffee, which I don't even drink coffee, um, to discuss this. Right. And um, I wrote her a very lengthy message that I thought was way nicer than I needed to be. Um, yeah. But basically, that's what I told her. I'm like, get out of your comfort zone, meet people who are different than you, meet people who have had to make really hard decisions, who don't look like you, who don't have the same sexual orientation that you have, who have experienced really terrible things in their lives, and then come at me and tell me, you know, that I need to think differently right. than what I think. Because I've been, yeah. you know, that's why I'm so thankful for, you know, just, you know, roller derby, and people can find that in any other community, but for roll, me, for roller derby, it brought so many people into my life that I would have never have met um, otherwise if I would have just stayed in my bubble and not yeah. gone out and experienced just enjoying people and loving people and taking them for who they are and where they are and loving them without without a agenda to you sh now you need to be saved because you're you have a relationship with me yeah even if that is your end goal is to ultimately quote unquote get people saved it's just a terrible way to go about it <laughs> it's not right. very effective yeah. you know it is. like i think it's a terrible goal to have but yeah the, the way that they that's what always confuses me about it. it's like don't you see how ineffective I, this this would never be my goal but don't you see how ineffective it is that you're this is the, the approach you're taking to achieve right. your goal but that's what the yeah. problem is with a lot of people is they haven't taken the time to put themselves in a community where they're experiencing people who are different than them who have different opinions who have um who have different privilege than them who were brought up differently to kind of have a different mindset 
And some people just aren't even open enough to listen to people yeah. who, who think differently than them. Um, they're already, yeah. they're so um, comfortable in their certainty that they're not willing to um, just listen. Well, that's because we're brought up in an environment that idolizes protection. Like you got to be guarded against those things. You don't want to be led astray. Yep. You don't want to be, uh, man, you would be accused of your book. I mean, and honestly, your book is heresy. It is heresy. Yeah, for I'm sure. Just kidding. No, <laughs> I, I really, I know I've had a, I've had a lot of people who are pretty traditional comment that they were surprised at how unheretical it was, you know, That's interesting. like I really, I really don't say anything too outlandish in that book. I have, trust me, I have plenty of heretical views. Um, but I, I did put many of them in that book. I talk a little bit of shit about the apostle Paul, uh, Whoa. but otherwise, uh, <laughs> I don't really say anything that heretical, you know? Yeah. At least, I mean, the, the, depending where you're where you're at on the spectrum. Yeah, I mean, well, the dangerous thing is like everybody has this. I well, I feel like, and maybe it's just me, but anybody who wants to build a close relationship with God or is seeking something more than just what they're given on a Sunday morning, are is going to run into these questions. Is going to run into these thoughts. The only difference is, is you wrote them down. <laughs> which makes you just a complete <laughs> heretic. <laughs> right. Oh, yes, man. once you put it in, once you once you print it, once you put it on ink on paper, it's a completely different commitment to those ideas. Right. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, it's nothing. I I have been way, way more outspoken on social media. Um, our church has a blog. Um, I'm way more outspoken on that blog. Uh, we are that that video that I sent or that I sent you guys um that is actually kind of a promotion video for our church, but it might as well be also a promotional video for the book. Um, you know, videos like that, like I definitely um, say things that are a little bit more heretical for sure. Um, which it was when I when I so when the book was published, it was definitely um, it was easy. It wasn't like I wasn't too worried about. I had a few people say like, "Oh, are you worried about the pushback against this?" And it's like, I've been saying crazier things than this, you know, for years. Like, I've already gotten a lot of the pushback that I'm gonna get. Um, those people in my immediate circle that uh, don't approve of what I've been saying, they're probably not even gonna read the book. Well, you what, know? what's the goal of saying stuff like that? I mean, are you just trying to like burst the bubble? Are you trying to get people to honestly think and grow and? be like show people that no there's this is something more than just what's on the surface yeah so we, there's a really good Brene Brown quote uh, I'm gonna butcher it but it's something like um vulnerability is the first thing I expect out of you and it's the last thing I'm willing to show you uh in you it's brave and daring and in me it's weakness uh and so that's a one of the core we used to recite that quote uh, every Sunday at church uh, a couple of years ago. And that's really been one of the core like tenets, if you want to use that term, as far as what we do at Connection, is this idea that um, I, I, from the front, and this other guy named Jason, who was pastoring with me for a while, and he just... Um, was he born in the 80s? Five, Jason, he was, yeah. Yeah, because no, like, that's my name, and nobody has that name who wasn't born <laughs> like that's he a was, requirement is you must be born in the late 70s or 80s to have the name yeah Jason. he was uh, like, 80, 83 maybe I don't yeah know. i'm 84 yeah that's like Perfect. prime he's yeah. in prime 
Jason Prime uh, <laughs> <Ron> Jason so me and him pastored Connection for uh, three years together. And, uh, him about... and I. You call yourself an author. It's him and I, Brandon. Him and I. <laughs> Jason and I. Uh, I'm so he, sorry. Uh, <laughs> he's not even funny, but he's he think he's about funny. It. Yeah, you're right. I'm an author, and I hired a fucking editor for a reason. Okay. <laughs> um, that's, that's part of the process. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, that was what me and Jason uh, really that that that's a tenant of what me and Jason uh, like what we founded connection. Well, we we didn't create connection, but like the, when we started making these changes, a lot of those changes were based in this idea of vulnerability and of uh, modeling that vulnerability, um, move, being the, the the person up front and saying. Um, so you, you asked me, why do I say things like that? Uh, partially, it's to um, make people feel not alone, make people feel less alone, mm-hmm. uh, make people feel less crazy. Because for you know multiple years, I thought I was crazy. I was like, mm. I don't know anybody else who's asking these questions, and I don't know anybody else who's having these thoughts. And it was really... Um, uh, me and, and Jason, my friend Jason, started having those same questions, and a few other people I knew. It was so I felt I felt so alone for so many years, and so that's part of the reason why I say it is. It's the same reason why um, I don't know if we're, we're uh, Facebook friends or not yet, but we should be. But anyway, I, I'll post a lot about my. I have a lot of social anxiety, different situations, and so I post a lot about that. It's kind of actually mundane what I'm posting about, right? Um, oh, I, I had a weird encounter at a cash register and I wanted to run out of the building. Um, it's not that, you know, whatever, it's not that groundbreaking a thing to share, but I think it's really important because I think there's other people out there that also wanted to run away from the cash register. Right. And so I'm just trying to make people feel less alone. So like, and the other thing, okay, oh, I, was, I was like, I was just thinking like I've found, and it sounds like you've found too, the more you say stuff, the more people are like, oh yeah, me too. Yes. Like I deal with that too. And it it does, it helps make people feel less alone because they're like, yeah, I deal with that too. And that really sucks. And, um, it's nice that you're building a community where people can do that because I've even found in church though, cause I make like, I'm shady AF sometimes (laughs) and I'll make like some (laughs) shitty comment and, um, but somebody will, you know, that we go to church will be like, oh, yeah, me too. Like, I feel that way, too. And I'm like, Bleh. like, because it does. It makes you feel like alone when you keep that inside because you're scared of judgment or yeah, being told you're going to hell or whatever. Yeah. Well, so that's the other angle. That's the other reason why I like to say things that are um, borderline or full-fledged heretical is just that there's people out there who. Um, and this was me four or five years ago. I didn't know I was allowed. I, th- you know, it sounds like you guys are similar. I thought that if I said some of this out loud, I would get struck by lightning. Yeah, or mm-hmm. for sure. Or uh, if I if I got a flat tire later that day, it was because I <laughs> oh, had right. That You're being cursed. Like, oh, it's because I was questioning yeah. about the demons whatever. have made their appearance. It's because I said evolution is real. No. Oh! <laughs> So that's the other reason is just to give people – and actually I didn't realize um, – that that's some language that I didn't realize I was I, – I knew I was doing it, but I didn't have the language to put on it. And someone – one of my good friends is actually uh, my wife's doula. She read the book and she um, 
she said, you gave me so many permissions in that book that I, I, oh, I really, yeah. Knew. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I never, I didn't like, I didn't write it thinking, Oh, I'm giving people permission, you know, but that is definitely, um, I also write in the book there, there's a real, um, I don't know where the quotes from, but it's, uh, be the kind of person you needed when you right. were younger. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly like what, where I was coming from a lot of, when I was writing the book was like, man, I needed to read this, like this book five years ago. And hopefully someone can read it. Who's where I, you know, in the same place I was five years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have time to keep going? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about uh, your church connection. Okay. Jason, it's time for the break. If is that the sound you make when you pee? Like, no. What in the world was that sound? That I'm just like I'm hungry for some break. Because you have to go pee, and that's the sound of you relieving yourself. My God, my Lord in heaven, what the heck happened there? So, Jason, before we get into reading another rip roaring five star review from one of our listeners. We have to talk about Patreon. Yeah. And so, go, no, go. No, no. no. You, you, uh, uh, I have a goal. Okay. In the next calendar year, I want to get a hundred. Gordy Howe had a lot of goals. A hundred. Lots of goals. That's why did. it's called Mr. Hockey. Over 800. I want to get over a hundred Patreon subscribers. Wow. Not a, not over a hundred, I guess. One hundred. That's a pretty lofty goal. It is. It is a lofty goal. I think we can do it. Wow. I I have faith that this podcast can reach 100 Patreon supporters at just $1. Yep, $1. That's all you have to do. Yep. $1 for 12 months for the next 96 years. Yep, 96. It's not that long. It's not that long, it's really, if that. you think about it. In the, the grand scheme of eternity. <laughs> Anyway, Jason, so we got a bunch of five-star reviews coming in, and I just wanted to read one of them for um, Ben Obels, or it could not be pronounced B. Nobles. Ben or B, let us know how you pronounce it. Love this podcast, and as a pastor, I guess it would maybe could be your pastor's podcast. Love new approaches to our faith and life journey. It is a journey. Mm-hmm. These guys are great and authentic and fun to listen to while cleaning the sanctuary, getting ready for a Sunday morning gathering. <laughs> That's. Funny. I'm surprised you haven't spontaneously combusted. So <laughs> listening to our podcast full in the confession, sanctuary. Full confession, Alex. Yeah, I have never sworn inside of our church building. You never have. No, I haven't. But this guy is listening to our podcast in which I say curse words. So I'm swearing in in the sanctuary, in his sanctuary. And first of all, he's a pastor. He shouldn't be listening anyway. It's not your pastor's podcast. Ben, please continue to listen. Yeah. Or B, please continue to listen. We'd appreciate it. So, Jason. Thank well, hey, you didn't what? say thank you. That's rude. I did say thank you. Were you not listening? No, I wasn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> We really appreciate those five-star reviews. And just so you guys know, it still stands. Whatever you write in the five-star reviews, I have to read it. Yep. 
So please continue to write your five-star reviews. It helps us out immensely. It gets our podcast in front of a bunch of people. And they're just it's just fun. It's just really fun. Much like this interview. Brandon, bring us back in. Transition us back from my break with um, letting you guys know that I was um, perusing iTunes and I saw that you guys had 69 reviews right now. <laughs> no, I did too. I was looking them up because we read our reviews. I was like, we're at 69. We should probably just keep it there. Let's stay there. Uh, yeah, I was going to. Like, re- nobody leave us a review ever again. 69, magic number. Stay there. I was going to give you guys a rating and I was like, nope, I got to keep it at 69. <laughs> be stuck forever oh man stick that's tonight. a good place to be stuck <laughs> okay if but I you always know when you play place, like any sport you, when you play any sport you know the douchebag on the team is the person with the number 69 like they're the douche yes. oh there's the douchebag 69 there we go i wanted to start a podcast the, the friendly where, I, where I interview athletes who wear the number 69 and just get the significance <laughs> behind it <laughs> I think that podcast would do well. That and 420. What's the percentage? What's the over under on like how many of them have uh, personalized license plates? That... <laughs> it's got to be like 80% of people oh, that have least. 69 on their jersey also have a at personalized least. license plate. At least. Um... Also, the number um, 420. I don't know. that That's probably oh, not yeah. a thing in other sports. Roller derby. 420 is a very popular mm. roller derby number. <laughs> I can see that. Yes. Well, like one thing that keeps going, I like, I still am super pumped that you are familiar with the Quad City Mallards. Like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like if anything connected us together on a deep level in this whole entire episode, it's that, um, but I, I, <laughs> I do want to hear more about, uh, connection, your church and how yeah. you've made it meaningful and some of the stuff that you've, uh, restructured. Uh, what do you think has been the, like the most significant thing? Well, there's a couple of different ways to measure that significance. I think um, probably the most jarring difference from our gatherings compared to, oh, uh, well, there's probably there's probably two things that would be surprising to people uh, if they you know w- walked out of their traditional church and walked into ours on a Sunday morning. One would be that we don't sing songs. <gasps> uh, we did. Um, me and my wife. Pims though, the- right? Not songs, What's just, that? just hymns. Brandon, right? Ephesians five nineteen. Gather together, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Like, do you not Bible, bro? We. So me, my wife and I. So also connection up until maybe like a year and a half ago, we were still singing songs. I'll tell you a story about kind of two stories, maybe about why we stopped. But I mean, me and my wife have been on worship teams. I was my first worship team. I was in seventh grade, right? I was um, terrible at playing the drums, and I was playing the drums in our 
junior high worship band and then i got older and i learned uh, how to play guitar and how to play piano and so i was always on every worship team that i could find myself you know that was available to me so that is definitely something that was baked into um, my church upbringing and my understanding of what church looked like uh, however we like two years ago we started becoming really good friends with this um do you guys know what uh, world relief is Mm-mm, no i don't uh, so it's a, a refugee placement program that also that works directly with the, uh, the federal government. Uh, the federal government will reach out to them and say, hey, we have X amount of refugees from this country. Can you find a place for them in your community? Uh, and so through that, they, you know, they, they need a lot of volunteer help. So they need people that like we would take families and we would go um, – we would show them how to get groceries, you know, and how okay. like, okay, these are, these are what the, this is what the U S dollar bill looks like. And here's like how you pay. So, um, through that, we actually became fairly good friends and still are friends with this family from Iraq. Uh, and they were practicing or are, should I say, are practice practicing Muslims. And, um, they came to our church one morning, uh, we invited them and they came and this was, you know, a big moment for us as a congregation like oh wow we got these uh, this iraqi family to come to church and uh, we sang a song which is i'm sure most people if they have gone to church in the last five years know uh called our god is greater oh. <laughs> which the lyrics are literally uh, um, a pissing match between it's kind of like uh toddlers or, or, or kindergartners on the playground saying my dad can beat up your dad the lyrics are literally, our God is greater, our God is stronger. Yeah, sing our God it. I don't know what if you don't sing yeah, it. Yeah, you got to sing it. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Uh, <laughs> our, God is, our God is better than like any other. I stronger. Think is, okay, so, stronger than our any God other. Our God is greater. Our God That's is better. Like something like I don't that. know for sure, but I'm just going to take a guess. It was Chris Tomlin. Yeah. Like, yes, it, yeah. well, it is no, Chris we, Tomlin. We played the same song yep, at our I've church. Yeah, I played the same song. Okay. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So we, um, yeah, so I'm I'm sitting or standing next to uh, Omar is one of the, the boys' names. Uh, I'm sitting next to Omar, and I'm singing this song that says, our God is greater than your God. I'm saying that to, it's like, hey, come to our church. Like, we're, we're welcoming to, to all people. Uh, however, our God's better than your God is like literally what happened. And from there, um, it really started. We started realizing that every song was um, about how even if life is bad, it's going to be good in the end. God's going to fix it. Um, everything's going to be okay. And I was in a place where I was like, well, there's a few things that we actually do at Connection that uh, this is a little bit more backstory, but there's a few things that we do that are born out of a time that me and my wife were pastors and we left the church. It was a very ugly experience. And we tried uh, going to a dozen churches um, of all sizes and kinds. And we finally found connection. And I mentioned earlier, my friend Jason, and he was pastoring the church. And um, he almost like on a very individual level said, what can we do to make you feel more comfortable? There's a few things that we do to this day that were born out of that question that Jason asked me. Um, and one of them was, so we had that experience with the, that, that Muslim family. 
And then we also have this experience of I'm going through depression and every song says it's going to be okay. And I say to Jason, well, really, it feels like it's not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a song that talks about how it's not going to be okay and how it feels like it's never going to be okay. feels like God is distant. feels like God is ignoring my calls. It feels like, like, where's that call at or that song at? Like, that's what I'm going to, I want to hear. That's what's going to make me feel. Well, and um, those songs com- are like what's biblical, right? Yes, yes, lamentations, like a whatever, a third of the psalms right, are like that. Right. Like God, where the hell are you? Like I'm yeah. asking, calling, mm-hmm. you're not answering. Uh, that's literally right. like a verse from the Bible. And um, so we we ended up stripping down to like five songs that we found, and two of them were written by local musicians that were uh, honest and vulnerable and not. God's going to make everything okay and isn't life great because we're Christians. Uh, And even then, as we were singing those, um, we started noticing there was a lot of like really bad theology in those songs. Mm. And so we're like, oh, so we're like, even in our, and so, and even if the bad theology aside, if I'm an atheist or I'm agnostic or I don't know what I'm, maybe this Sunday, I just don't believe in God. Like something happened and it really like made me, I don't believe in God today. He feels so distant. However, I have to go to church and I have to sing this song that says, isn't God great? It's like, no, he's fucking not great. Like I am mad at him right now. Mm -hmm. And so that like emotion and that like, like how can you, when you sing a song and everybody is singing along and the people up front are saying, hey, it's basically the people up front are saying, hey, this is what you should believe. This is how you should feel. And if you don't sing it back, then you're not a part of this group. Yeah. Like, that is happening. That tension is happening. If you're not going to sing along with us, mm-hmm. if you don't believe in our God that we're singing to in the song, that's fine. You, you don't have to believe in that God. But you're not a part of the group, the in group, because the person up front, the person who's the leader, they're singing it. So if you're not going to sing it, then you're not you're not included in the in group. So we that was that's sort of in a nutshell our deconstruction around worship, and we uh, so we just stopped singing songs, and we started thinking like, what happens when you sing a song? You feel connected uh, to something greater than you. You stop and you pause and you reflect. It's a moment of like meditation. Uh, you consider um, a, a you know a. a a god or or a higher a divine spirit or whatever you want to call it um and also you have some sort of connection with the people around you that's at the core of what happens in worship in my opinion there is i don't want to discount the fact that music is just like magical and something happens when you yeah the, for the, sure the you know what i mean like there's something else there when you sing a song I'm not going to deny that there's just something with the reverberations and the the waves that are happening, you know, when you when you hear music. Um, but we're willing to sacrifice. A lot of that is very emotional, in my opinion, too. Your emotions get moved and you feel it's uh, some um, songs are manipulative, like emotionally. Very. Oh, anyone on a anyone on a worship team, you have to admit that you make decisions based off of manipulating people. Oh, if we oh, if we oh, if we figure out a way to turn from the ending of this song into this song and like we bring it down here and be like oh if we you know if we cut everything out and it's just oh, I, songs, I, like play, like, I play cello that is the like that's number the one ultimate manipulator like number one yes. manipulator yes we're gonna cut to you we're gonna exactly, break we're gonna yeah cut to you and you're gonna yeah and like people I've, are just I've gonna start crying said, like um 
sometimes I feel like people just want me to sit up, sit down and shut up and just play my cello. Right. Because that's what, that's what, that's your part. That's your role. That's my my thing. Yeah. So all that being said, that's sort of, that's one of the biggest changes that we made in the last year, especially maybe uh, 18 months is we just stopped singing songs. So we, so we, we filled that space with other things that we felt accomplished the same goals that made us pause and reflect on something larger than us that made us feel connected to the people around us. Uh, that, that just really made us sit still in the presence of something. Um, we know, so we do group meditations a lot of times is what we do. Uh, we also do uh, parable readings where, and then we have a discussion afterwards, but in that everyone is doing something together. When you do a group meditation, everybody together, we're going to be quiet. When you read a parable, it's the same thing as like reading um, or singing a song, in my opinion. We're all going to go and read this together. This is something we're doing as a group. And um, it's a time for us to pause and to reflect. So um, that's one of the most, probably the most jarring things for somebody if they come on a Sunday is that we don't sing songs. And then the second thing would be that we don't have a traditional sermon. Uh, And this is really tied into the... uh, like success criteria is what I call it for church, but it's tied in and also tied into budgets. I am not a full-time staff member. I actually just ran into, um, the, we're recording this on a Monday. I recorded, or I ran into a, uh, a pastor this morning at a coffee shop who was working on a sermon for next Sunday. And he is talking to me about how he's usually up till 2 a.m. on uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning working on it, right? This it right, is, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a thing, you know. Um, I am not a full time employee at our church. I am a part 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 time. Uh, I, I have a very small salary, which actually is going is in the process of being cut even smaller. Um, so I don't have time to pre- to like prepare a thirty minute forty minute sermon. So uh, the other thing that's really jarring is that I do a five to seven minute, sometimes even less. Uh, presentation, I, I like present an idea or a topic of discussion. And then as a group, we just have a group discussion around it. It's very much like group therapy. And I, I present the idea and then I present like three or four questions around it. Um, and then we go as a group and we answer those questions. It's actually based off of um, the uh, traditional Passover model of what the Passover ceremony is like. Um, but yeah, so those are two ways that are like two things that are really different. Uh, to, that's a really long answer to your question, Jason. So those are two things that are, uh, that are really different that we do uh, on a Sunday morning. No, the, the non-sermon or short sermon is completely intriguing to me. Uh, it's, it's very arrogant to think, right? Like, oh, you should listen to me for 45 minutes a week. To me, that feels really arrogant. And then also... What a weird, like, you have to have 52 great ideas a, a year. Yeah. Right? That's essentially what it is, that what people are saying to pastors. 52 times a year, you better come up with something that, like, wows me and, like, impresses me. And, and it's like a, honestly, 80% of the time, it's shit. And you've already heard it before. Right. I think you could attend church for three years and you'd hear it. Oh, you if you attend up, the same church for three years and listen to the same you've pastor, heard, you've, you've heard, heard every sermon that they have. Yep. You've heard every story. You've heard everything. Yep. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, yeah, that, go ahead. No, I work in a lot of 
are used to more often do a lot of parachurch things, uh, speak at old folks' homes, speak at the county jail, speak at drug recovery homes. And I was yeah. instructed by our pastor, like, you take up the entire time you're allotted. They give you an hour, you take up an hour. You don't do a minute Whoa. less, you don't do a minute more. You know, and he didn't mean you speak for that long. Take, go play music, go do prayer time, do question and answer, do some, but we're there for an hour, take up the hour, don't take up anymore, be respectful. It got to the point where at the Salvation Army, I was speaking at the, uh, the, um, their ARC, Adult Rehabilitation Program. Um, Yeah, I know about ARC. Yeah, and part of that was Christian living. Um, But it got to the point where I would use the full hour, and I'd notice like the room was like getting mad. I was like, why are people getting upset? And it's because they take a smoke break afterwards. And I wasn't leaving them any time for their smoke break, so I limited it to 45 minutes. And I got their full attention, <laughs> like, like, listen, guys, I'm going to speak for 45 minutes here or play music or do whatever. I'm going to do my thing for 45 minutes. And then you guys and can then, have your smoke break. And they were like all that's, in. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. But man, that, that idea of constructing and putting together a sermon, it's just what, it's kind of what you expect on a Sunday morning. You know, and so I think that when, even as a youth pastor, I would spend a good 10 to 15 hours a week preparing my sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think about what I could have been doing with that 10 to 15 hours, right? Sure. I could have been doing actual, you know, quote unquote, pastoral work of like meeting with people. Um, I could have, oh, I don't know, see my family for once. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like the every every staff member on every church is like oh, completely overworked um, and is I, I would not every many. It's a very common situation where they're overworked and they haven't they don't see their family very often. So we have uh, pastors, kids who are like just absolutely abhor the churches because they never see their dad um, or their mom. And so that is. um that's part of it. The other part of it is our group is genuinely better when I get to hear from other people. I Nine times out of ten, whatever I prepared for five to seven minutes, somebody else off the cuff says something way better than oh, I have. You prepared. are 100% correct. They're like, it's like you, like you 15, 20 people are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh my like gosh. you have this unbelievable insight. Like you should be talking, not me. And that's my, honestly, that is for 2019. If I it was in my office, you could see on the wall, I wrote like, you need to talk as little as possible. It's like, that's my goal for 2019. I really like that because um, I feel like a lot of the pastors that I've had in my life, um, some interactions I've had with them, they've felt, um, they didn't have anything to learn from me or from anybody else in the room that they were there as almost like I'm blessing you with my presence and my wisdom and my knowledge. And I went to school and I got a degree and, and I'm have a penis. And so therefore (laughs) I have more spiritual knowledge than you and you're welcome. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It makes me want to throw up just hearing that. Yeah. That whole idea of, um, 
So yeah, I talked to, or actually, uh, it's funny to keep bringing up this interview that, from Pawnee today, but it was, <laughs> I was actually impressed. I was very impressed that she uh, looked at our website, our church website, and she pulled a quote off of it, um, which is, uh, I'm not going to be able to remember, but essentially it's like, if you're, uh, if you come here to help me, uh, then like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. But if you come here because your liberation is wrapped up in mine, then like, let's work on this together. Uh, and that's on our website for that exact reason that, um, yeah, like who am I to be the one that has all the answers and that, that idea too, of like that paradigm where it's like the, the pastor has to have all the answers. I, we had someone who came, um, ironically, it's our upstairs neighbor in our apartment building. Um, and she came to our church and at the, we, we like talked for a while afterwards and she said, I'm really just looking for someone to tell me what it is I should be believing. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, you're at the you're wrong, the wrong church. Like, spot I'm, for this. I was like, I'm never going to tell you but what you should how believe. Many people, like, I don't even know what I should believe. I'm not going right. to tell you what you should believe. But yeah. how many people are sitting in church now and they're there because being told what to believe makes them feel comfortable. And they're fine with that. Oh, they're okay weird. with that. It's way easier to be told what you believe. It's way harder to like, um, there's way more risk because you could be wrong. Whereas like if someone else tells you what to believe and you get it wrong, well, you can blame them. Oh, right. I just did it because my pastor told mm -hmm. me. There's way, so there's so much more responsibility. There's so much more gravity to working out for your, yourself. What do I believe and why do I believe it? Um, and it's a scary thing. Like I'm not trying to belittle that. Like um, it sounds really what easy you know in a conversation like this like oh just figure out what you believe and don't look to other people but I mean, that's literally how we we grew up that way that's what, how our school system works mm -hmm. that's how parenting works for a while you just have to believe what i say okay like you shouldn't be running in the street like you're gonna have to believe that while you're you know a parent would say that to a five-year-old but eventually when you get older hopefully you develop the ability to think for yourself um However, our churches don't promote that. They don't promote right. thinking for yourself. But yeah, that idea of you, you, you hit it right on the nail right on the head, Jess. I'm on the stage and I've got a penis, which means I've got all the yeah. answers. <laughs> it's and you like, need to um, listen to me. The penis is like, it's it, it just like a, the direct link to heaven. Yeah. That's what it is. Yes. God, God, it's like a mail shoot or like at the best. Yes. A mail shoot is the drive best. Yeah. It's yes. mail straight God from heaven. God sends you messages. To the penis. M-A-L-E. It's the mail shoot. <laughs> from and God sends you messages. Through. I yes. know one thing's for sure. Alex wouldn't be making these same points. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> Well, I'm happy that we're making those points, or that she's making those points then. Yeah, so um, getting close to the end here, but you talk about budget and giving, and I, I think it's important because you're trying, you're doing something different. You're 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 restructuring church. You're making it meaningful again, and budget and giving still brings up issues for a lot of people. Yes. So how do, how do you handle giving and how do you set your budget? Like, how have you changed? Yeah, so um, a couple of 
things to mention, I think, that are worth mentioning just for the sake of um, transparency. Um, one is that what we have, what we're doing is uh, we're very privileged to be able to do what we're doing. I have a full-time job uh, that pays me well enough to where I don't need to get a paycheck from the church. Um, so that right there alone is like, you know, there, there's people who have grown up, have gone to college, their whole goal is to be a pastor, and they're not literally not equipped to have any other job in any public sector, right? Like our private, uh, you know, they have to, that's what they're trained for is to be a pastor. And that's what their student debt is racked up for mm -hmm. is to be a pastor. Um, I luckily don't have that situation. So, um, so that's part of it. The other part of it is that um, our budget is basically nothing, right? And so our budget in the just, um, it sounds too good to be true, but just, so we, um, at the beginning of the year, we set a budget for $1,900 a month. Last week, uh, which was uh, when we did the reports for January, we brought in, just to be super transparent, we brought in $500. So we are $1,400 short of our monthly budget, which means um, in, at the end of the quarter, we're going to readjust our budget based off of what the, the, you know, the average is. Um, and so it's not like this ludicrous system where we have all this money coming and we're trying to figure out how to spend it. It's this like very, here's the, and here's what happens, right? When you attract atheists, when you attract uh, Buddhists, when you attract agnostics, they are the they don't give their money to a church. That's not a thing that they do. They're actually very generous people, and they give their money to soup kitchens, and they give their money to homeless shelters, and they give their money all over the place. They help their friend pay rent, you know, on a given uh, a month. Atheists but, don't do that, Brandon. We know atheists. They don't do that. <laughs> they worship Satan. <laughs> yes, yes. Which is the whenever I hear that, it's like, oh, you've never actually met an atheist. No, yeah, you're 100 right. It's similar to um, I get told that I look, I am a gothic, okay. and then I'm like, you've never met a gothic person. <laughs> <laughs> so similar, same, same thing. Yeah, it's uh, the same. It's exactly <laughs> the same. Like, oh, you've you've no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, that. So when you attract a non-traditional. Uh, a church attender, when you attract someone who hasn't grown up in church their whole life and isn't like had it brainwashed in them that they need a tithe, they need to give 10% of their paycheck to the church, it's really hard to have any meaningful like budget or any bu substantial budget. Uh, so we... Um, I'm just telling that they have to do it to go to heaven. Problem <laughs> solved. So, so we actually... So we. <laughs> We never mention on a Sunday morning, we don't have a tithe sermon. We don't mention that we need your money. There are things that we do in the community. Well, that's so your we first do... problem right there. It's bad for business. <laughs> not uh, We do two things. We do one thing called laundry love, which we, we give people free laundry. And then we do another thing uh, called uh, no, giving grubs, where we I, I fancy myself to be a chef. So I cook food. We host it at a brewery. We raise like a thousand dollars. We do it like three times a year, um, and we whatever money we raise, we give that to a, a local nonprofit or charity. So that requires some people to give money because it costs like three hundred dollars for the groceries. And then laundry love, we spend like four hundred dollars a month on that. 
So that like requires people to give their money. And that's more or less what our budget is based off of is just like having enough to do those things. That's great. Uh, we, yeah, so our goal is to spend over 50% of our budget on um, things that we don't call uh, operations. So we spend 50% or less than operations is our goal. The more and more our budget shrinks, the more and more that's you know hard to do because we have an accountant, we have uh, a, uh, we have to pay rent, right? So we have like different things we have to pay that are quote unquote operations. Um, but eventually, if things keep trending the way they have for the first quarter of 2019, we're just not going to have to pay rent. We're going to be meeting in somebody's living room, um, which is how it all started, which is, you know, so it's totally fine. Um, but yeah, our approach to uh, what I call the three B's or what I was trained at, I, people told me about the three B's, which is budget, uh, building, and butts, so our attendance, um, those are the <laughs> main success criteria which i think are completely uh convoluted and completely off mark uh off the mark if you're trying to um like i said if you're trying to grow your church with people who aren't already christians they're going to be they're not going to give their money the only way you're going to get people to give their money is if you grow your church with people who are already christians uh and, and a lot of um pastors and church planners don't want to uh, accept that reality, but that's that's the reality. Hmm. That's definitely intriguing. Like I'm, like hearing you talk about your church, I'm a little bit jealous. A community like yours doesn't exist. It where does. We're at. It's called a roller derby team. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jess, it is. It is. It's fucking called the roller ber roller derby team. That's exactly it. Not if that. They asked me today on that stupid interview if like what's the one takeaway, and I was like, oh fuck, I don't know what the one takeaway is. But that's it. That is it. It's like yeah, it can happen anywhere. It can happen anytime. It doesn't need to be this whole like pomp and circumstance right, with the worship this, team. Right. We have this idea that, um, or a lot of churchy people or Christians or whatever have this um, idea that community can only happen through God. And that's not true. Community happens through people who love and care about each other genuinely, you know, yeah. and that doesn't happen at church. A lot of the time that happens in a roller derby team that can happen in, you know, anything, any club or organization you're involved with, if you're with people who, and you have a common goal and you genuinely love and love each other, that's going to happen. Yeah. I think and, it, in church, we see it in glimpses. Like when we, like the Tuesday night recovery nights, like, oh man, why can't this yeah. be everything? Why can't this yeah. like, why can't yeah. this be it? Why can't this? Mm. And our pastor does say this is his favorite and most important part. He doesn't <laughs> miss it. Like, he, yeah. he, um, he makes it, he definitely, we go to a priority. mega church and he makes, that's the priority above all. Like, yeah. Because that's, that's the most like life giving. But like, so the, I would say like the daddy pastor at our church. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, like, I think he gets it. And that's why he loves that gathering so much. Yeah. And that's why prison ministry is a huge, and our mega church prison ministry and recovery um, is a huge deal. Um, yeah. I would say the majority of their budget goes towards um, 
our prison ministry. Well, it's just burnt budget. It wouldn't make any sense. It's a, it's a financial loss every right. every single yep. year. But um, but you get caught, like you said, you get caught up where um, atheists or um, poor people or um, yeah, right. the less yes. privileged don't pay your bills. Yeah, and no, so that's, that's it doesn't so make good. financial sense. And so uh, I think a part, I think for a lot of pastors, they're stuck in this area where they have to pay the bills, so they have their traditional whatever gatherings. Yeah, I think for um, maybe not a lot of them, but there's a good few who um, know where God really is and where community really is, and that's where they that's what they crave. But they, it's yeah. it's not financially, um, you know. I it doesn't make yeah, financial I, sense for them to keep I, doing. I think that. there's, I think there's a good percentage of pastors that are like that. I really do, and it's and they have not just their own um, well-being to consider. They have um, a staff, right? Like a fifty-person yeah. staff or whatever. You gotta, you know, they, they have they kids health and insurance plans right. and retirements and like. It's not, yeah, I, that's why I said it, we're really privileged to do what we do because it's not an easy, mm-hmm. um, it's not, you can't just snap your fingers and say, okay, throw the budget out the window. We don't need to raise X amount of dollars this year. It's not that easy. There's real, yeah. you know, lives at stake. There's, and you know, the, the cynic in me says, yeah, there's two car garages and like four bedroom homes at stake. Um, but there's way more than that too, right? There's like legitimate, you know, health insurance plans mm-hmm. and like, uh, people who, like I said already, would um, they can't find a job anywhere else. Um, so it is really I get why the t- like why pastors feel the need to perpetuate the they system. They know the as, game and they're playing it. Yeah, and I think totally. um, some of them get to the point where they're able to um, do the ministries or the programs or whatever that um, actually matter and build that real community. Um, but it's almost like they have to play this uh, game to get there. I don't know. Yep. No, totally. And I think you also mentioned something important too. And this is uh, the reality for four or five people that come on Sunday mornings for us. They literally, so we have this thing called um, family funds, uh, or we also sometimes call it compassion cash. Mm-hmm. We're really big into alliteration. Um, and <laughs> there, and what both of those are, are like, Hey, if you are someone who, uh, comes or comes to our church or is a part of our community in some way, and you have a hard time paying rent or your car broke down and you need some extra money, like we'll help you out. We have money in the budget set aside every month to go towards this fund. Mm. Uh, and four or five people that come on, you know, pretty regularly, they need money from that account three, four times a year that, and they've never given their money. Maybe here or there, they'll give $25, $50. But for the most part, they've never, they literally cannot afford to give their money away. Like they can barely make ends meet. You Uh, heretic, how dare you steal from the book of acts um, and pool money together (laughs) and support one another what a How jerk. I mean, <laughs> we experienced that too. Our um, our church tried to open a Flint campus. Well, that doesn't make any financial sense to open a Flint campus because Flint is one of the poorest cities in our country. 
um, facing a water crisis that um, a lot of the Flint community still doesn't have clean water. Um, oh, my you guys, I didn't even think about that. That breaks my heart. Well, anyway, Brandon, I am thankful for you, thankful that you took the time to be brave and write this book and put these thoughts down. I'm thankful for even like your local news station that's willing to like, hey, there's this pastor yeah, in our really, area really cool. that's doing something different and completely crazy and heretical, but let's give him... <laughs> Let's give them <laughs> like a portion of our time to like promote what he's doing because I don't know. I think our culture, um, I think a portion of our culture anyway is hungry for, okay, there's like God is complex. He's not simple. So let's ask these hard questions. Um, I'm thankful even for our local pastor who, um, even though you call it cross-examining God and that might put some pre presuppositions in there. It might be, it might not be the best way to word it. Like he's trying. I'm yeah. thankful. I'm thankful for all that. But is there um, anything you'd like to promote or leave us with? Um, I mean, you got yeah, a book I mean, out, so maybe the, the, the basics. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, first Why of all, are we yeah, talking they, to you again. <laughs> I'm just some crazy guy in the Midwest. Um, you're right, though. It is someone pointed out on Facebook that it's pretty neat that a local news station was interested in the story. Um, and I actually, the uh, host of that show, I uh, started following her on Twitter, and her Twitter bio is something to the extent of like, I'm all about loving Jesus or something. So she was actually, it's a big step for, I think for her too, to have, to have me on. Um, but yeah, I, so I have a book called Meaningful Again. Uh, you can go to meaningfulagain.com to find that book. Uh, if you are within a reasonable distance of the Quad Cities, I have an event coming up on April 12th uh, called The Gift of Death. Uh, which is um, a storytelling event, if you would want to attend that. Unfortunately, um, Brandon, this is going to be released April 13th. I'm sorry. Well. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Never mind, then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have that yeah, long of a production it, uh, time. No. It, is a, it is a storytelling event all about uh, our society is so um, keeps death and sorrow and pain at an arm's length and so it's the storytelling event where people share their stories about death and how they've interacted with it um so if you uh, would want to come to that and you're within driving distance of the quad cities that'd be great um otherwise i'm on twitter at, at bc the heretic um i um instagram which by the way i just started following not your pastor's podcast hey thanks There'll be a picture my, of you on there soon. <laughs> uh, my my uh, Instagram is Brandon Carlton CC, uh, and that is uh, Carlton C A R L E T O N. You can buy my book on Amazon. Um, you can befriend me on Facebook if you're into that. Um, but yeah, honestly, uh, I am. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm going to write another book. This is. I'm not like this. Like. Per, lifetime professional author on this hustle uh like i like i said already i'm really just trying to make people feel less lonely uh so um if i write another book who knows but um but yeah 
that that's how you could reach me or you could um, find my um, social media information. That is awesome. Thank you, Brandon, so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you have struggled with the church, our deconstruction, or you're losing friends, or you're going through a rough time, just remember, always keep your stick on the ice. Thank you.